You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've been the penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this Wednesday edition of Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. Spencer Israel, Joel Conan. Dennis Dick, Mitch Hart with you this morning. Well, it's have the quiet morning, as you would expect on a New Year's uh, Eve Eve uh, day. Uh, with some stocks are up, some stocks are down, uh, but not a lot in the way of, of, of macro headlines or individual movers. So we're going to talk just overall sentiment here and just reading the tape from yesterday and what that could mean for uh, stocks after how they could trade after the new year we will also talk tech uh tesla and apple and more with our guest gene munster one of our favorites he is of course the managing partner at loop ventures does amazing research on emerging technology that'll be at 8 35 so super excited for that I want to remind you all again to hit that like button it takes a split second and it's a way to show us some love on youtube so we appreciate that uh joel what's the word here in the overnight session it's relatively quiet like i mentioned yeah yeah, sure, Spencer. Uh, another buy the dip opportunity. Uh, flat open. Try to get to yesterday's low. No can do. We stopped at sixteen fifty and rallied as high as thirty eight and a quarter. And we've just kind of been hanging up there. Uh, that old time high made yesterday in overnight at forty seven seventy five. Uh, all time closing high. We're right around there, folks. Uh, that is thirty. 32, excuse me, 2750 is your old time closing high. So we'll keep an eye on that today. Uh, crude just kind of stuck in a 48 handle, up 44 cents, 48.44. Let's call it gold flat on the session here at 1883. Silver, that's up 23 cents, been uh, performing a little bit better at 26.44 and a half. And Bitcoin, I think the cash got real close to 30. Futures, Turned back at uh, 28885 That's up $1,000.20 or 3.75%. So Bitcoin ending the year on a strong note. Can we get to 30000 by the end of the year? Is it possible? That's we'll probably night. do it um, New, Year's, like New, Year's, New Year's Day. Yeah, you're New probably Year's right Day. there on the, over the holiday. Everyone's like, ah, oh, drinking a champagne. Oh, ah, let's buy some Bitcoin. Yeah, let's jack that thing up a little bit here. Yeah, hey, look at that. 30,000. Yay, sparkles. How about our, our Bitcoin? A million bubbles spent. in the champagne, apparently. Yeah, Sorry. that's okay. Did, did you see that fact on CNBC? I'll steal their content right now. 
do it. The, the question was an hour ago, how many bubbles are in a glass of champagne? I just said it, but I saw you ruined it already. I don't know. There's way more than I thought. There's a million bubbles in a glass oh, of champagne. I just guessed that. I didn't hear a million. You I, I would have guessed like a thousand, a million. Whoa. That's a lot in of a glass? That's so I said in a glass. Yeah. In a bottle. I Googled it too. It's like 47 million in a bottle. Now that's an estimate. Nobody sat there counting up to 47 million, but it's crazy. It's a lot of carbonation right there. All right, let's uh, let's talk tangent. stocks. That's let's a talk stocks. Let's bring us back. I know, man. Two days in a row, champagne's mentioned on the show, when it's that time of the year. Stocks. What stocks do we want? Baba's the only thing moving. Alibaba. Apparently, I guess I did sell the low. Sold half. Didn't know what to do. Just never sell the dip. That's the moral <laughs> of the story. Anyway, you always get a rip back up, and here it would have been. Um, I'm still nervous. I'm not kidding you. I'm still nervous about this position because I still don't think we're out of the woods, but holy mackerel, I should have just held on to all of it. And obviously I could have been selling half now and been 20 points better because I sold down 223 and it's 243. So never sell the dip. The moral of the story, even when you think the companies are going to be attacked by the Chinese government, it's still just a buying opportunity. What, what, so. what page is that going to be in the book? No, the cover. <laughs> <laughs> Give us news. Us, Buy the dip. Page one. Never sell the dip. <laughs> Page two. Sell the rip. <laughs> they have like five words. Five words on each page. So the, Ali, the Alibaba news. Uh, there's just more headlines, reports about what Jack Ma and the Chinese government may or may not do. There's a report that the government could take a greater control uh, of Ain Financial. Uh, but again, these are all just reports. No, nothing actual, co- actually concrete coming out of yeah. China. It's all just, they may do this, they may do that. The line in the sand, barring any headlines, I'm going to say is 252. Draw that line, Joel. Draw that straight line. I will. We get back up to there. You're nine points away from it. If you're coming and buying Alibaba now, now you are late to the party, in my opinion. You know, obviously, I was of the impression that it could continue to go lower. Obviously wrong. Got down to 211. But if you come and buy at 243, I mean, now it's like, okay, I think you're going to get another dip here eventually to reload. So if you if you are so inclined to be in. so, But I've been wrong on Baba. I was, I was nervous, and I thought it could continue to go lower. And obviously, that was a buying opportunity. So maybe you don't want to follow what I, I think about it, but. I think 250. Hey, if you were, yeah. if you're buying that dip, it gets back up to 250. I think you lock it in. Uh, for the actual true gap fill, you know, which kid? I mean, I've seen this thing do it on more than one occasion. Uh, you need to get to 52, 53. That was the low on the 23rd. High in the 24th was 29.90. It did set up technically well yesterday when it held uh, the previous yeah. day's high. And then, uh, boom! There or not the yeah uh, the 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 um the fallout day high. So you're gapping into a gap area. Let's see what happens. Pre market high is forty five. So you got to get back over forty five uh, to get a shot at that area. But just you know, nice little rally gap into a gap area. Um, really, not much change in the news there. But uh, Baba get definitely a good day yesterday. Next. Jan Gan fan. Yeah, Han, let's do Man. it. Okay, so apparently, and I don't know anything about J A N. I know zero about this stock. First time I've ever even you know seen it. I think. Um, apparently, last night there was was it Niles who was on CNBC? Somebody was on CNBC. Dan Niles. Who's Dan Niles? Yeah, and the host was saying, "Oh, you have this you no know, new position in Jan," and. They meant this is a, I didn't see this part, but this is apparently what they're saying on Twitter. They said Jan and not Gan. So the market thinks it's J A N. Meanwhile, it was actually G A N. So they confused the soft G with the hard G. I know because I'm teaching my, you know, six year old how to read and we're doing the homeschooling there. And you got the soft G and you got the hard G. A hard G is golf. A soft G would be like for you stock traders out there, generic. So, anyways, they obviously confused the hard G and the soft G, and they said called Gan Jan, and that's why Jan is running. At least that's what they're saying. That's why it's running. I don't see any other news on JAN, so I cannot confirm if that is why it's running or it's not it's running. I'm just saying that's what they're saying on Twitter, that JAN is basically up 
38% here this morning on mistaken identity. Well, I have no idea if that's true or not. Okay, so the, the Jan move is dumb, but the, the Gan move is also dumb because he, so I guess what, he was on TV to talk about it, but he had a blog post up two we days. We it. Uh, no, I guess it was yesterday. My mistake. I guess it was yesterday. Just his okay. top picks for the year, right? Yeah. He talked about JP Morgan, uh, XLE, Oracle, uh, MGA, uh, Mary Golf Alpha, and Gan. Those are his yeah, like those are his like top five picks yeah. for the year. So of course everyone's just gonna piggyback on Gan. Why? I don't know. Because it's a it's a name that a lot of retail traders flock to, and it's like oh you know and people want the smaller you know tech name to you know potentially you know get, make some quick money. People are into making the money fast. So uh, Gan's hardly up. It's only up three percent here this morning. It's Jan that's getting all the love because somebody mispronounced the name. So I have no idea. It's up thirty nine percent here, but you know people are saying oh this is an easy short. Who the hell knows? I mean, these things, you know, once Robin Hood grabs a hold of it, then, you know, here you got, you know, somebody saying, oh, okay, well, it's the wrong name. I'm still up 40% in it. So well, it's working. So I guess I just go with it. <laughs> it's stupid. You know, if this is really the reason it is, it's showing how dumb this market really is. But I'm not coming in here and shorting it because I've seen stocks go from thin little stocks like this, go from five to seven, could continue to go higher. If I was long it, I would sell the hell out of it. But I'm not shorting. I don't even know if you can get a bar on this thing. I could go look at that right now. But Joel, what would you do if you were in Jan or Gan? I guess it's Jan. Would you be buying or selling? It's and it's it's no good. I can't get a locate. Uh, okay, all right. So then it's not even. I mean, I'd probably be shorted six. Well, yeah, probably. You're like, oh, they've mistaken this thing. I'm selling this short six, and now it's seven. You're like, are they going to figure it out? Please yeah. figure it out, market. This is the wrong stock. <laughs> uh, can continue mistaken identity can continue for a while and it, it, we've seen this lots of times this is why they had to delist z-o-o-m they literally delisted z-o-o-m the other company because everybody thought it was zoom communications they thought it was zm so i mean this is how silly this market can be their regulators come in and delist it just to protect the people who get confused the dumb money so uh don't mind uh so I'll just talk Gan here, and well, you know, before before you break it down, sure. I just want to give you some a little uh, add some background information. Color. On the twenty first, on the twenty first, they closed an upsized public offering of seven point one of uh, seven million shares, pretty much at fifteen fifty a share. Uh, I think that's uh, you know caused a little bit of the spike then cause a little bit of the pullback. And then now you're getting some, some bigger bulls jumping into this. So uh, full disclosure, you know, I'm, I'm in GAN. Uh, I got in it uh, a little bit back at, in, in the 16 to 17 area. Nice. So uh, I'll definitely keep watching this one. But I think, you know, that offering definitely played an effect. Can someone explain to me why an offering is good? Like they're raising money, but why, why does that mean the stock should go up? I don't understand that. They'll interpret it. it. It it really theoretically shouldn't be good, but they'll interpret. Oh, they're you know getting some investing money for growth, you know. So, like I said, you can do two offerings. One is to grow the company, and the other is to survive the company. So maybe they're interpreting this is to grow the company. This is good. We're getting some money. It's going to continue to lever this up, and you know we'll expand this business and get it going. I mean, that's the reason behind it. The other offerings, like we saw back in the day when U.S. Steel was in big trouble or RCL or CCL or any of the airlines, those are offerings to survive. So those typically are not good because they're dilutive. Obviously, all offerings are dilutive, but really textbook, they're all dilutive. So really, none of them are good for the bottom line, in my opinion, unless they're really going to do something well with the money. So I guess if they're going to you know, do better with the money than the, the, the dilution factor, then I guess it's good. Uh, just a quick technical on GAN. You know, it's stuck. It's had above 20 bucks a couple times here since October. Uh, so that's a big area to me. 2048 was the one high. And then uh, three days ago, I guess that would be on um, last Thursday, you got up in that quadrant two and that was 2060. So that's a big bogey. And if it gets there and holds up there, it doesn't necessarily have to take it out today. But maybe get up, but you got to start finding some support here at 20, 2010, 2005. Build a little base and then get the momentum to take out those highs. But just the two times that it came up there and then came back down. I think that's a good area today. You haven't hit it yet in the 
pre-market or after-hours session. And I will put the chart up, guys. I'm sorry. There you go. There's the chart. Chart, chart, chart. Moving on from the Jan Gan, let's move on to um, let's move on to the the SPACs because they were really under attack there yesterday. I mean, money has been hiding and flying into this sector and all of these. I guess not a sector into the SPACs, and some of that was coming out yesterday. And I mean, you know, you probably can talk to this, Mitch, if you're still there. Um, you guys covered on SPAC attack. Why the sell off yesterday? There's waves to this game. I always talk about it in in, in our SPAC attack show. Um, there's going to be waves. Just kind of like if you look at a, a different industry, like look at EV, you'll see waves where it goes up and then takes these big pullbacks. One of the things in this market is we have high volatility. So you're going to have those high swings. That's why I think we always remind people, you know, if you're buying the rips in this market, you know, it's going to be tough to, to make a profit. You know, we try to remind you guys. Um, and, and that's what we're keeping an eye out. So I think we got a little bit of a down wave where investors will try to get in at good pricing. And what, what we'll do in this area is try to look for the new SPACs, really give the information to get you guys some informed trades. Do you got a couple that you guys were eyeing up yesterday on the pullbacks? Because obviously we like buying dips on this show. We know that. And you guys are the SPACs. Uh, you do a lot of homework there. We know Chris does obviously as well. What's, uh, what's on your radar there? Well, I'll tell you what, uh, today is one of the best shows I think we're going to have of the year. It's a okay. show that is strictly for SPACs that are at 10 and $11. I like that. So I definitely check, check it out today at, at 11 o'clock. So 10 o'clock to or at 11 o'clock, we're going to talk the $10 SPACs. I mean, I have a whole portfolio of these things. So the reason I've given before is that I think, you know, when these things come out, and obviously I've talked SBAC, I've talked a lot of them. I'm still holding on to all of them because I'm waiting around for a deal. But there is probably a hundred of these things sitting around the ten dollars, and they're looking, they're searching. A hundred, the really? There's that many. Huh? There's maybe more than that, Joel. How many, Mitch? Do you think Ooh. are just sitting there looking for a deal? It's probably more than a hundred. It's probably a couple. I, hundred. I think, yeah, you, you, might you're be two hundred. You're near that level, and one of the things is that let's just say, like the last three weeks, we've had like over fifty come out in, in like the last three weeks. So. Everybody is coming out with this back. So, and some of these have run. I mean, some of these have run without deals. So, which is kind of weird too. You know, when a stock, when one of these backs is running up five, ten percent, it doesn't even have a deal. A lot of them haven't though. So, I'm playing the ones that haven't gone. And all I'm saying is, look, you know, typically these things don't trade much under ten. They may, they may, even, I mean, stocks can do anything. They can go anywhere. So can spacs. But from history, from the, what I'm, I'm seeing here, at least in recent, you know, history this year. Most of these SPACs tend to hold the 10, tend to hold the 10. There's a mouthful very well. And then when they announce a deal, they get the pop. And we have one today, Spencer. We had one. I don't know if you have the details on uh, the, the symbol, but I saw that we had a deal this morning. And yes. this is just the example. Do you have it? The, the FinTech acquisition, FTIV? Yeah, yeah FTIV. Yeah, FTIV is, is the SPAC picker. Uh, they're buying... Uh, Perello Weinberg, which is just like an advisory firm, right? Yeah. A business advisory firm, which I don't know, like on the it's spectrum, not that exciting. No, on on the spectrum of like sexy businesses, that that that's not near the top. Um, so here you go. Here's one that does a deal. It's not even that exciting, and it still goes from ten eighty to thirteen dollars overnight so if you were you know up earlier this morning at 13 you're still getting 1170 it's bit 1170 right now even if you know you just bought it so this is like i'm looking at this thing trading around 10 20 10 20 forever and ever started drifting up here a little bit maybe people getting you know a hint that they're going to get a deal and then they get a deal so i think the way i'm playing these is i'm waiting for the deal they announce a deal i'm gonna turn around and try to sell the pop maybe i'm gonna get burned but I've diversified. I'm not all in on just one. I got a whole bunch of these things. And if it's a bad deal, maybe it's going to go down. But we don't have a lot of precedence for these stocks dumping on bad deals. So at least initially. So that's how I'm playing a lot of these SPACs. You know, obviously, everything's all about diversification. I'm not going on margin. I'm not putting all my money into all SPACs. But I've got about, I think, about 12 or 15 of these that are all sitting around 10. And I'm waiting for deals. So, and I'm picking the ones like, like the, I'm cherry picking the good ones. We know I'm in PSTH, which I'm way up in. That's now trading at a premium. That's Bill Ackman's. But, you know, I've picked on Starboard, which I've already talked about, SBAC. I've also picked on, um, there's, there's a couple 
from, and you know, you can just cherry pick obviously the management teams that you're confident in, but there's also a couple from um, Apollo, you know, and I think Apollo is pretty smart people over there too. APSG is one of them. They have another one as well. Um, I was picking this up around 10 and a quarter. It's up at 1075 now. So maybe you wait till it pulls back. It seems like these things come back in, um, you know, get, get you down the 1030, 1040 range. But I mean, Apollo's pretty smart people there, Joel. You know, you think about Apollo, the hedge fund, they, they do. Yeah, they've been doing deals. deals. Yeah. yeah so up? I'm like, I'll bet on Apollo. I'll bet on, 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 on the management teams. I'll bet on Bill Ackman. I'll bet on Starboard. That's all I'm doing. I'm cherry picking the good management teams. What, uh, what's the Apollo symbol? APSG. There's a couple of them, though. I had them all written down, but I don't have it in front of me, of course. And we're not SPAC attack, so we don't take all their material. Uh, but I'm just saying how I'm approaching it is, um, you know, I'm picking on the good management teams, the management teams that I'm comfortable in. Apollo, Starboard, Bill Ackman. I'm comfortable with those. Yep. I mean, I think it'd be interesting when these, you know, companies after they get out of the, you know, they do the acquisition and then they're a real company and then they, they start reporting earnings. You know, I, I know you don't, I know you're playing it pretty like you're playing it to get in and out before that, but um, it'll be interesting to see how, how these, uh, how these issues or these companies uh, perform, but they, there's a lot of them out there. It's definitely uh, really caught, um, I mean, IPOs, there's been some big IPOs, but uh, man, this SPACs are coming out the you-know-what. So continuing on. that uh, We should mention LCA, which Dennis, I believe you still own, is now, yeah, I do. now Golden Nugget. So that's GN. Uh, I, I listened to SPAC attack the other day, and they talked me into selling half of it. So um, Chris was on there, and he says, I'd be ringing the register on this. It was around 26 when he was saying that, so – Props to Chris Catchy there um, because it's obviously come off a little bit. It's 24.76. I don't want to sell it all. I still like the story, but I did sell half. And, you know, I, I talked about it yesterday thinking maybe I'm going to sell half uh, because I'm, I've got a double on this. I bought this thing at 13 to 26 is basically, obviously, that's a double. I think I bought 13 change. I think I was up like 95% or something. Um, so I, I booked half the game. 26.10 I sold yesterday in the pre-market. So um so yeah so anyways i, I did gnog it, it's gnog now obviously lca so becomes gnog uh, i'd still like the story gold nugget online gaming i think the story continues why i didn't sell at all but now i'm playing completely with the house's money i like owning a casino stock playing with the house's money all right 821 we're gonna have gene munster on in about 15 minutes to talk tech he'll talk apple he'll talk tesla take some questions from our chat in the meantime let's talk uh dennis did you trade intel yesterday at all no i own intel still though i sold half of it up at like 51 or 52 um 51 i think and then i had the dump i obviously should have reloaded because holy mackerel what a tape on that yesterday so gets the rep um tell us tell us the story here yeah i was Towns all you know yesterday at, at the the afternoon show we haven't really seen a ton of hedge fund activism this year, I mean, we saw uh, we're all who, doing SPACs. Elliot with AT and T, right? Um, or, or no, we saw someone with Disney, right? But uh, yeah, I haven't seen a ton. So basically, just a hedge fund down low, uh, saying, "Hey, Intel, get your act together. You know, if you have to, spin off some assets, but do something to get your stock price up." And we know when the hedge funds get involved, um, you see these pops. And that's why Intel ripped yesterday. I'd use yesterday's top 5066 as a resistance point here now. I don't think this is like a game changer that Dan Loeb's getting involved. I don't think this is just ripping up to $55, $56 anytime soon. There's value here. It's why I was in it down to 45 um, Do you get a shot back down there, 46 47 Maybe if it gets up to 51 52 I might dump it all and then try to reload. At 45, 46. It's been a pretty good, you know, support level, 45, 46. And it's come for down a there. long time. Oh, and it's come down there a lot of times. It keeps giving another chance. So it seems like this is one, you know, you can go back two years on the chart and you can see how many times. Yep. One, two, three, four, five, you know, five times we've come back down to this level after being significantly higher than that. So it's like a magnet. More than that, if you go back, more if you go back to 18. Really? Yeah. Look yeah. at this going back to 20. I only went to 2019. You're right. Going back to 2018. So yep. it's been the level to buy. And obviously, prices higher have been the level to sell. So, you know, maybe we keep playing that until it doesn't work anymore. So, I think Intel gets over 50. Uh, I think I might dump the rest of it. And then it pulls back down to the 45, 46. I reload and keep playing it until it doesn't work anymore. 
Uh, that that number you're referencing, uh, that yesterday's high was 50.67. Your high on the 18th, 50.68. So it repelled off that level that uh, drew the line across there yesterday. So and it backed. I mean, now you're you're a buck forty, a buck thirty off that. Um, but got the pop and. He said, you know, spinning off unprofitable acquisitions. I, you know, I mean, I could think of the Mobileye one. What, um, wonder what other ones he's referring to. I can't remember all the, uh, the Mobileye, I think, is the darling. Uh, that, that was the reason I got talked into buying it. You um, still don't hear about anything about it, though, with all the, I mean, I think they're going to be a player, though. And EV, I think they're going to be a player. So I'm not totally against owning Intel long term, too. I'm just, you know, I like it from the trade. You know, if you can grab five points, grab five points, grab five points. Maybe it's right. a better way to go about it than to sit around. And, you know, maybe eventually you could do it the easy way. Maybe eventually it's a $60 stock. Um, I, I could see it being a $60 stock again. I think Intel, obviously, AMD, NVIDIA, we know have eaten their lunch. But I think that with the mobile eye assets and, you know, obviously the chips involved, I think there's still going to be a player in EV as well. And I'm just looking at this on like a relative performance. I mean, okay, so you ended uh, you ended 19 at right around 60 bucks, and then you got to almost 70, and now you're back at 50. So, you know, maybe it will pick up the slack in 2021. But from a tech stock in this market, I mean, definitely Oh, there's horrible. been a lot of those. Yeah. The Cisco, really yeah. the Oracle, and I know Oracle was giving some love from Niles yesterday, and that's why it's probably trading up a little bit there too. I mean, all of these have been major. Cisco's made a little comeback here, but really put it in perspective. And you know, we get these rallies, we get these dips. It's gone. You know, this the queues are straight up over the last five years, and Cisco's really gone nowhere since 2018. And obviously still significantly off its $80 high from 1999. So it's been a horrible long-term investment CSCO. All right. Uh, what about some of these stocks that maybe look a little tired here? Because sometimes at least once a day on the afternoon show, you know, Joel will pull up a chart and he says, oh, this one just looks tired, right? Yesterday, um, what did you say it was yesterday? I think it was. Oh, uh, I put it in there too. At the trade desk, uh, you, or uh, you, um, is at least I even put the date on it too. Anybody around from the afternoon? Let's talk that? the trade desk. I'll take over here because um, you you've got you know early profit taking in some of these leaders here, and what happens in January and people who have just started in the markets may not you know be familiar with January seasonality. What typically happens the first week of January is you see your leaders become laggards and your laggards become leaders. And that is because of tax implications. Because what is happening in December, late December, is people are selling all their garbage at losses. I did the same thing. So they can obviously, you know, minimize their tax bill. And they're, you know, and obviously you're still seeing, you know, some of the leaders get bought, you know, window dressing might be happening. But what happens January 1st, is obviously that trade can come off because if you're sitting on a lot of gains and like I am doing the same thing, I'm sitting on some major gains. I was like, I don't want to sell December 28th when I could turn around and sell January 1st and pay the tax next year. So you typically see a reversal happen just from tax implications where the leaders become laggards and the laggards become leaders. Well, they pulled the rug out early from that trade, maybe anticipatory traders anticipating that. And they've started doing that two days ago. So you're now seeing stocks like the trade desk come off. You're starting to see stocks like Shopify come off and you're starting to see some of the stocks that really haven't performed that well in 2020 start to show some life here again. So natural rotation, you know, even some of the mega caps have underperformed and some of them, obviously yesterday we had a sell off and everything, but you know, some of them were, were showing some life as well. So I think that trade continues into January. So that's why I don't want to come in the trade desk. It's like, I didn't want to come in yesterday. I don't want to come in right now here knowing the January effect is potentially there. So there's a lot of people still sitting on a lot of gains in the trade desk, a lot of people sitting on a lot of gains in Shopify, a lot of people sitting on a lot of gains in some of these SPACs. So I think you could see some profit taking in the first week of January and maybe a strike, you know, after you get that profit taking wave. Mitch talked about waves. I completely agree with that. Get, you know, a little bit of that, 
down wave here from some of that natural profit taking of people who are holding on to the gains until 2021 so they don't have to pay the gain the taxes until 2022 i think that's maybe your opportunity to get into some of these names i think if you're coming in here yesterday or today i think you're a little bit early still here's a good question from luke jacoby in chat uh, luke what's up as far as uh, tax loss harvesting for etfs couldn't you theoretically just sell an etf that you're all big in and buy a similar sure ETF? Yeah, I mean, a loss is a loss is a loss, right? Yeah, that's ways to, you know, you can hedge yourself. And if you don't want to pay the tax bill and you're nervous about it going through, you can hedge yourself. And you should have been doing that, I guess, three days ago. You can hedge yourself. So there's so many ETFs that are similar, or even even some companies. I mean, a lot of this stuff moves together. So you can go and short something else, hedge yourself out to get ahead of that trade a little bit. And it would have worked well. Hindsight Capital's 2020. You know, we didn't know they were going to pull the rug out earlier you know, two days ago. So, you know, typically what I'm saying is those stocks show weakness though in January. So they're showing it a little bit early here. So yeah, it would have been awesome to obviously be short a bunch of these stocks two days ago, but I don't know if anybody knew they were going to pull the rug out two days early from it. Uh, Spencer, was it Neo that we were talking about? Uh, when we were talking about, I didn't, I don't know if I wrote tired on it, but I'm just looking at the stocks that we talked about yesterday. And yeah, man, I think it was that one. This is, this is about as folks take a picture of this. This is about as much drawing as you're going to get out of this old man here. You guys ready? Yeah. Show it to me. Look at this. What do you got? Neil. Holy macro line central. Yes. He did it mostly on the first try. I think. Yep. Yep. Look at that. You got your 50. I, this one. I don't know. What do I, all those lines mean? Fifty percent retracement, lines. low yeah. the move, thirty-eight thirty-one, all-time high, fifty-seven fifty, mid-range of that move, forty-eight. Yeah. Right. You're struggling at forty-eight, and then I try. This is an okay trend line uh, from the top to that other top. So Spencer tried to want to get a wedge out of this. I guess if you want to, I don't know. I like to draw it off three, at least three. But I'd say if this Neo doesn't get back over 48, hold 48, I think you can test that 38 in this thing. I, this looks a little, you know, it had the big decline, snap back rally, decline again, snap back rally. Now it's going back down again. A lot of people sitting in a lot of profits, working on a monthly red candle. You haven't had one of those in a long time. So usually when you get one monthly, you know, Sometimes it's uh you might get two in a row. So keeping an eye on NIO. Close strong yesterday. It did. Um, it did. It, 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 we had the sell-off in the morning, and then that turned around, and some of those names got some money put into them throughout the day by the dippers emerging here again. Again, this is one that could suffer from the January effect that I was just speaking of. You know, this is a stock that a lot of people are up a lot of money in. They're probably sitting there licking their chops, and, you know, I want to book these gains, but I don't want to do it till January 1st, you know, so I don't pay the tax. And obviously that depends on the country you live in too, because somewhere I have a settle date, somebody can go by tra trade date. I think I can't get interested in Neo until it gets above 50. Um, yeah, 50 so is the line yep. in the sand. Um, so I would just say guilty until proven innocent here. If this thing can shrug off potential sellers in January, get above 50, start to hold that, then I get interested in it. But um, right now it's kind of a little bit in the middle of nowhere. I can see the trend lines you're drawing, Joel. I would say above 50, it's a buy, below 40. Katie bar the door. That's a that's a, you know where you've got that line there. You were at thirty eight eighteen, but I'll just say forty dollars, forty yeah, to fifty is the range. It's trading yep, the range, yep. and, and and if it breaks out from the fifty, maybe you're getting long. If it goes down below the forty, maybe you're getting short. Great, great point though from Sid Steed, and you know Dennis, I know you love your your pre event catalyst here. Yes. Neo Day, which is like their annual. Oh, good. Yeah, is January 9th. Ooh. That's important to know too. Um, and you know, I always say you want to own these things a couple of days before these events. So maybe you get a scenario and, you know, maybe you get a scenario where some profit taking comes in in early January into this stock and they hit it because, you know, people have been sitting on a lot of gains and waiting until 2021 to take them. Um, and maybe you buy it be like the sixth or the seventh before Neo day on some weakness. If that sets up like that, if it doesn't set up, it's ripping, you know, all the way up while well, you miss the trade then. But, you know, I would look at, at a dip opportunity to buy in this, a couple of days before that event, you know, so, oh, January seventh. Yeah, this is the most. I mean, you've you had since November. This has been the most, you know, 
you know, you had indecisive. You had this little choppiness here and then the run up to the all time high. But you're right, you know, in a range. It could just grind in here, too, to that event day, too. It doesn't necessarily have to bust out over 50 or break down under 40 consolidation oh. periods, right? Oh. I want to give you another chart here. It's brother-in-law XPEV sets up very interesting here, Joel. And I know you're going to like this one a little bit better because um, you put in a nice double bottom yesterday in XPEV almost perfectly. 37.60. Yeah. The stock closed high. It's getting follow through here today. This stock is significantly off of its highs. Unlike Neo, which is just a little bit off its highs, this one's significantly off its highs. I kind of like this. I don't know if I want to buy it, you know, when it's just really like six bucks basically since yesterday. But you know, you get a little pullback in this thing. I would lean on those that double bottom there at 37.50 and 37.60. So it does set up not bad, a little bit better. I like this one better, even though you're in an ugly downtrend. I like the two can I like the candle from yesterday. Yeah, and just it's nice because it's right in the area right here of these two other lows in November. Didn't quite get to this one, but if you were just concentrating on your daily lows, you know, maybe you threw something out there at 37.50 and hope for the best. And, you know, yeah, I mean, could you obviously, if we could see these daily lows back here, machines and other savvy traders are looking at them too. So, uh, what was the low? Yeah, low from yesterday was or actually double bottom. Nice 37.50, 37.60. And on the upside, you took out, this might be the one where if you want to buy a little bit of a pullback, Dennis, see if it comes into yesterday's range, that would be like 4180, 4190. And hope it doesn't go red on you at 4155. All right. We've got our guest here. Actually, I believe our final guest of the year, Gene Monster, founding partner at Loop Ventures. Gene, good morning. Good morning. How how's it been for you these past <laughs> Since you last spoke, you know it's uh, happy to report everyone is healthy. Uh, some of the themes that we've been behind have been moving in the right direction. I share everyone's view about the uh, hopes about next year, and we're kind of uh, doing what we do every time at this year, which is make some expectations about where 2021 is going to play out. Exactly, and uh, we'll go to the charts here and. Um, I remember one thing that really stood out in my mind last year was you, you talked about, you know, Apple's valuation and, and the multiple that it was trading at, and it really wasn't getting any respect. So now here it has got some respect. The multiples bumped up, but you, you this is your pick for the top FANG stock for 2021. Tell us uh, the, what you're looking at, uh, what's behind that, um, that prediction. Well, it was the year where Apple got credit, essentially trading in line with where Facebook and Google have been trading. But really the substance of why we're behind this next year is three big themes. And first is the acceleration of this digital transportation, transformation, which means more people are gonna be working and learning from home, working remote. It's gonna work from anywhere. This is gonna have a positive impact on the iPad and the Mac business. It's about 25% of total sales. The street's generally looking forward to grow at around 10% next year. We think that there's upside to those numbers. More recently, those businesses grew at 30%. It's come off of a small base, a small uh, flattish before the pandemic. But that's point number one. Mac and iPad business related to acceleration of the digital transformation. Apple's the only company that can do this real well. I guess uh, a trivia question for your listeners, your viewers, what is another company that kind of has the full suite of products? The answer is Samsung and Google, but none of them can really bring it all together with the support, the service, the reliability of the products. The second is enthusiasm around 5G. We think that's gonna grow in the back half of the year and really launch a two to three year iPhone upgrade cycle. And the third is, uh, I guess when you put that together, uh, we think that uh, point number two about the, some of the lift with the iPhone in the back half of the year we think that uh, that should start to provide some upside to the 2022 numbers. So essentially we're expecting throughout 2021 estimates for 2022 to move higher. The street's looking for 15% revenue growth for next year and 5% for 2022. I think the real number for 2022 is closer to 10 or better. So that's the second uh, point. And third, Joel, you mentioned the multiple expansion piece, a big part of our thesis 
in 2020 around Apple was multiple expansion, but there's a case that that can continue. And I think there are two uh, meaningful opportunities that the company has been uh, starting to pursue that uh, the stock has not gotten much credit for. One is this idea of adding more hardware as a subscription. Uh, they do it with the iPhone today, but they can do that with Mac and iPad and eventually get to a full bundle where you pay Apple once a month fee for everything you need. And the second piece is of course, what's going on, what they're doing in Apple car and automotive. It's a massive addressable market. And if investors start to get more wind of their plans there, that should expand the multiple. So I think uh, you put it together, you look at the rest of FANG, uh, the choice was pretty clear to us that Apple's gonna be the top performer. Let's go with number two. Number two is Amazon. And I think that uh, the, the simple takeaway is that e-commerce is still a small part of what we're doing. Before the pandemic, it was called 10, 12% of what people are buying. It peaked uh, in the summer at 17%. It's drifted back to 13%. It is remarkable. Keep in mind that number eventually doesn't go to 100%. We'll still buy, you know, 25 years from now, we'll still buy things in stores. Maybe it caps off at 60%, but we still haven't hit that S part of the curve in terms of e-commerce adoption. It seems tone deaf to suggest that, but that is in fact the case. I was uh, recently, I think the other piece about Amazon is just the logistics piece and just to, to kind of frame it in. Uh, after the holiday, I, I recently went to return uh, some items. I went to a UPS store to return some Amazon items it was a smaller store, but you could hardly even step foot in the store. This was in the afternoon, just the day after Christmas. You could hardly step foot in the store because the store was floor to ceiling with boxes with people returning things. And the takeaway there is this logistics piece. And we saw it in the U.S. postal system. We saw UPS and FedEx have a difficult time keeping up. This is the substance of what will uh, differentiate Amazon longer term. The valuation is high, but I think that when you look at the opportunity for them to use logistics to continue to move e-commerce adoption higher, that the stock will continue. And then we have, when we think about the FANG stocks, we kind of have a line there. There's a bubble stock with Google, hard to determine where it's going to play out. And then below the line, of course, we would see Facebook and Netflix as ones that would, I'm not saying they're not, I think that they can be up in 2021 but I think that they will underperform the rest of, uh, they'll underperform Apple and uh, Amazon. Uh, Gene, before we continue with your predictions for the year, I just, I just want to ask you, you know, you know, on a scale of totally normal to completely irrational bubble, how, how rational do you think these tech stocks are, are behaving right now? It depends on the, I think the, the, the type of tech stock. I think some of the small cap tech stocks that have seen these two, three X, moves more recently, I would consider that uh, uh, unacceptable exuberance. I think that, that that would be an eight, nine or a 10. I think that something like Apple, given its valuation, its cash that it can generate, uh, the opportunity ahead of it, I don't consider that exuberant at all. I, I, I mean, well, let's just quickly put some, some context around it. Is it's a two plus billion dollar, trillion dollar company today. Um, you know, they could get into in the next five years into a $2 trillion market. I mean, there's, there's, that's justification for a higher multiple. So I think some of the big ones, surprisingly, I don't think have had, even though their performance won't uh, last, I think that they won't. It, it begs the question of how does Tesla fit in this? It was, it's a bigger company that has had uh, a vertical rise. And I think that when uh, we've been positive on Tesla, constructive on it, continue to believe longer term it, to be constructive on it. If our thesis about Apple getting more credit for what they're doing in auto is correct, I think it's safe to fill in that 2021, maybe a year where investors get a little bit more nervous about Tesla uh, in the near term. And uh, so that is a, a factor. I'm not trying to have it both ways here, but I think that someone trading you know, a, a stock like Tesla for the next uh, three to six to 12 months, that is, I think, uh, a dangerous sport. Uh, I think that if you want to own it for the long haul, I still am optimistic about that. But I think that you're going to see more fluctuations in, in Tesla stock in 2021. Do you think Tesla is will be more likely to spend the next three to six months doing a whole lot of nothing, just going sideways, or doing what it did 
uh, for those for these past couple of years, which is going up and then going down and then going up and then staying in that range. I think that if I, you know, broader 2021, I think it's uh, up slightly. Uh, I think that, you know, the numbers, um, uh, you know, we haven't seen the numbers for the December quarter. I think that they're going to be positive in terms of the deliveries. I think they're going to hit that kind of target that they had of near 500,000 vehicles for the year. So I think that that is a, a directional positive. Uh, but I think beyond them, uh, the numbers that they're going to put out the first week in January around the deliverables, I think that will be a positive catalyst for the stock. I, I think you would get into a, a period where there's just not a lot of uh, big news coming out of the company. We do have a prediction that by the end of the year, we think it's late in the year that they're going to start a, a, a chaperoned robo taxi fleet. It probably needs a little bit of explanation what we're saying there, Whoa. but that to us would be a measurable catalyst at the end of the year, but kind of between the early numbers uh, to the end of the year. One other thing to keep in mind too is Tesla's got more demand than they can keep up with. And that's important because you can't have this, uh, this unlimited upside in deliveries over the next three, four quarters because uh, you can have upside, but it is just hard for them to produce uh, enough cars to meet demand. And so I think that you kind of, um, you know, the, the middle part of the year, there's not a lot of uh, big catalysts. The back half of the year, you get more talk about Cybertruck and what's going on in the robo-taxi fleet. And I think that that starts to pay the path for a, a company that's greater than $600 billion in value. Gee, what would that mean for Uber and Lyft? If you're jumping in and, and Tesla's going to get into robo-taxi, I automatically think, ooh, competition for Uber and Lyft. What are your thoughts there? Long-term, it's going to be a rough road for Uber and Lyft, not just because of what Tesla's doing, but because I think Apple has aspirations beyond Apple Car, Apple Fleet, and uh, can a, uh, that that's just based on uh, kind of knowing people who have been in and around the conversation on Apple. And so I think that um, the reason why I'm not uh, pulling some sort of a uh, an alarm with Lyft and Uber, they've had they've, they've had uh, about as bad a luck as you can have over the last year, and undoubt uh, not undoubtedly, I hope that uh, things progress more to normalcy, which you just get some really easy comps in 2021. So I think that those will do well in the near term. And when I think about a robo taxi fleet with Tesla, or when Apple gets in the market, maybe it's 20, 2025, 26, it's still years away. The Tesla fleet is going to be minuscule. I mean, we're, we're talking probably about tens of thousands of cars at most. And so uh, initially, so I think to answer your question is long term, Lyft and Uber got a real problem and they have to figure out a way to to shift their um, their human driven network to autonomy and compete with Apple and Tesla and Google. We're on the line with Gene Munster of Loot Ventures, longtime follower of tech stocks. Uh what about competition for Tesla? Um, I mean, I, I, I don't think you have time to follow all these uh, SPACs and all these EVs that are coming out. Um, you know, in order to maintain market share, what about the big boys, you know, GM and Ford? Uh, where, do you, where do you come out on a competition coming out for uh, Tesla? Or have they just established such a lead here that it's going to be virtually impossible for other people to um, overcome? So we're in the camp that their their lead's going to diminish meaningfully, but the, the acceleration in EVs will more than offset that, which will create a much bigger business. So just to kind of quickly put it in perspective, is in the U.S. they have about 80%, 80% EV market share. In Europe, it's probably closer to 30%, and then China, it's probably 20%, something like that. Uh, I, I think that uh, if you put it together, I think in aggregate, all of those market shares will, will, will uh, decline slightly. China will probably go up, but U.S. will decline. And I think that uh, if you fast forward 10 years from now, my best guess is is Tesla has 20 or 25 percent of the car market share. That is more than what GM is today. I think it's at 18 percent. So competition is going to come. I think that uh, what else is going to come, the bigger wave that's going to come is electrification and autonomy. And so I think that it's something that I'm not as concerned about when I think about Tesla's longer term opportunity, in part because uh, being electric isn't really what is going to be the defining moment around the future transportation autonomy is. And I do believe that the company has a lead there. We can talk about that relative to other car companies. So to finish your question, Joel, is where do traditional auto companies play in all this? I think they're in a tight spot. I think that they can find a way out. I think like Volkswagen is, is particularly well positioned. They've done well in Europe with EVs. Uh, but the, I think that 
it is such a complicated topic for traditional auto. And let me just quickly frame in one example is that they have built businesses around uh, these incredible labor forces that uh, they are indebted to and uh, not just emotionally indebted to, but financially indebted to with, uh, with some of their pensions. On top of that, they have businesses that uh, benefit from uh, parts networks that are uh, probably going to diminish in an electric and autonomy world. And so it gets to be pretty complicated. Uh, and to put it fast forward to the conclusion is I think that many of these big auto companies, they'll be around, but they're going to be uh, restructured and be, look very different 10 years from now. With the expanded FANG, um, any comments on Microsoft just hanging out here near all-time highs? It is. I don't have a lot to add. Okay. That, that, uh, you know, I do think that um, good company, but I think there's better places to be. Uh, look at that. I'm just looking at this technically, man. You got one, two, three. You got five monthly tops in the same area. So that thing needs to bust through. Uh, let's move on to uh, another stock uh, that um, I've been following with you for a couple of years. And uh, um, Livevent Corp. LTHM, I mean, that is a nice move here off that March low, uh, really at an all-time high here. Is, uh, is it time to take a look at this and say, hey, this has been a nice run, or are you looking for continu possible continued upside in LTHM? I think it's the latter. It's uh, just, just to stress each of those words are important, possible, and continued upside. The, uh, the bottom line is that they're one of the more reliable uh, providers of lithium. When you think about all that has gone on and some of these SPACs and future battery technology and what Tesla's talking about and Apple's tech, uh, talking about, they typically have a basis in lithium. And so it is an arms supplier. It is a way to play electrification, not just of cars, but of pretty much anything. And uh, there's lithium batteries in your phones. And so I think that it is, uh, it's not a very um, exciting uh, company to own. It's they, they, they mine lithium. And so, but I think that uh, that is a good long-term uh, play just related to being an arms supplier to the arms race. Now, one that you did mention to me when it was in single digits or to our listening audience, and I didn't pull the trigger, was Jemiah. And holy mackerel, what a move over the last three months, knocking on the door of an all-time high. Uh, just talk about the uh, prospects for further upside or prospects for potential downside here in Jemiah. So they are a, uh, the largest e-commerce company in Africa and uh, that tends to most of their businesses in Nigeria. And so, you know, the, the comparables would be like a Mercado Libre or JD.com, Alibaba, Amazon, things like that. It's just massive companies. And I think that, um, you know, when it was in the single digits, it just, it just didn't pass the basic sniff test. It was uh, a two, $300 million market cap. Uh, and the largest e-commerce player. Now, I think it's closer to a $3 billion uh, market cap. And you have to make it some adjustments for GDP for, per person and look at what the opportunity is there. I think this is a, uh, it has some similarities to Tesla. I think that if uh, you are owning this for the next three weeks, uh, I would not recommend that. I think that uh, just to own it, given like the December quarter, for example, it just is, uh, it's just putting too much into what is still, uh, they're working through building their infrastructure. They're working through, they've done a great job of navigating the pandemic in, in Africa. Uh, however, you know, it just is, uh, it's come up a lot. I think of this as be opportunistic. It's a great company to own longer term. I uh, continue to be optimistic that this can be a much bigger than a $3 billion company long-term. Uh, but just given what we've seen in some of these moves, who knows? I mean, this could be down 25% on a, on a, on a, on a somewhat positive earning. So I would take the approach to be more strategic, wait for a pullback. Gene, looking through your predictions for this year, I know there's no way you could have seen this. How did you not see a pandemic coming is what I want to know. <laughs> uh, what, I missed it. What, what, what jumped out to you about what you got right uh, or wrong this year? You know, I think we 
we go down the list. I think we we got right the piece as Joel talked about earlier, the multiple expansion on Apple. We still be to determine. We're uh, we had Apple as our top pick and Fang pick in 2020, and it's going to come down to the the last minute of trading. It is pretty much neck and neck with Amazon right now. Unclear of. But either way, if regardless of how it plays out, uh, you know, the, both those stocks are going to be up 75% plus for the year. So I think what we got right, at least with Apple, was the multiple expansion piece that Rodney Dangerfield effect. Uh, I think we'll I think we'll get the Tesla piece right just in uh, how many deliveries they've had. And I think what the insight that was maybe correct was around uh, just electrification and the world being more ready for electric cars. I think the things that we've gotten wrong is uh, we thought direct listings was going to be more important, more impactful this year. Turned out to be wrong. It wasn't direct listings. It was SPACs. And, uh, you know, we don't hear much about direct listings. We hear a lot about SPACs. Uh, so we missed that one. This could be a conversation for another day, but I, I think maybe you were you could have been a year early on the direct listing train because I think, you know, the what well, the NIC just changed the rules, right? Or the SEC just changed the rules. So, we we could see a lot more direct listings uh, coming up, but I guess you know. that could be a conversation for another day. Gene Munster is a founding partner at Loop Ventures, does fantastic research on Tech Let's Loop with a U-L-O-U-P. Uh, Gene, as always, we appreciate Thanks, Gene. We really appreciate oh, yeah. your time. Thank you, everybody. you great. 2021. Over and out. Thank you, everybody. All righty. Eight. 55 hit that like button if you thought gene gave you some good information and if you don't if you didn't hit the like button anyway that would be uh appreciated uh dennis what, what are you seeing out there anything yeah it's quiet i mean we're starting to leak a little bit here um obviously uh market a little spooked yesterday where you had a pretty significant sell-off throughout the day you get a snapback rally here overnight and you know now you have some profit takers and not even that just people who are like Okay, well, I missed it yesterday, but I'm going to get out yesterday. It was an ugly tape yesterday, quietly ugly, because there was a lot of stocks that really got hit. And, you know, the day before on some of the little Momo names was ugly too. So you're sitting here, it's quiet, but at the same time, there's people who are sitting on gains who are a little bit nervous too. And they're like, okay, do I ring the register here early? You know, and, and so I think that's just where we stand. Um, it's, it's all a, a matter of, you know, timing here now. I do believe we're going to see some weakness here in early January and are people going to get ahead of that or not? So, um, so, so seasonality would say that anyways, it does, market doesn't have to do anything, but I'm playing right now. The fact that this market's a little bit nervous and you know, what's the catalyst to really take us up here in the next couple of weeks. You know, you're sitting with a lot of people sitting with a lot of gains looking to maybe pro take some of those profits and what's the catalyst to drive us higher in the next week. We know the vaccine's coming. Um, I, 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 I struggle to see the overall catalyst that's going to make this market just fly up January 2nd and January 3rd. I think you see some profit taking, get some dips, and then the buy the dip comes in and maybe you start the next wave up, you know, like Mitch was saying with waves. So um, that's why I, I'm cautious right now. And I'd be looking, you know, into rallies to lighten up a little bit here. Let's grow some tickers from our chat. Someone dropped in Aptive, which we haven't discussed for a long time, I think, on this show. APTV. APTV. Trending up. Lots of people sitting on a lot of gains here. Um, the candle yesterday wasn't great. You got double top in the 130 area. I'd say uh, under 130, guilty until proven innocent. Get back over 130, then it gets interesting here again. I don't know if there's news on it. Um, it hasn't had no trades here this morning, really. So That's 130. Delphi, huh? Delphi Automotive, huh? Wow. This is the old Delph, is it? Yeah. Is that what this is? Wow. I think that there I got ahead on um, some of the technology for EVs. I Just I'm, think about it, though, Joel. This stock was a $29 stock when it crashed back in March. I know. And, you know, obviously 50, 60, 70, a lot, and a lot of people bought it at 29. But, you know, lots of people bought it at 50, 60, and this thing's 120 bucks. This is a stock that is a candidate for that effect, that, you know, tax, you know, holding off, and then, you know, new year comes in. We're going to harvest some of these gains that first week. So it's a stock I would not want to own January the 2nd. It's uh, it's hanging up here. I mean, you could use, you know, the 130, you know, definitely needs to get above 130. But I'm looking at these lows. Just been sleepy. Uh, I'll call it matching lows at 127.06. I mean, if you're looking to hit WAP on a little bit of weakness, uh, 
there's matching lows from what's today, uh, Wednesday. So from uh, from last Thursday, boy, these uh, days off mess me up. From last Thursday and Tuesday, matching lows. Keep an eye on one twenty seven oh six if you're if you're looking for a little any kind of follow through on the downside. But things are pretty quiet here. SPs did slip under uh, thirty seven thirty. We're still up nine and a half handles on the session. Um, don't put a huge emphasis on you know the mid range on the day. It's something I'd like to keep an eye on. But when it coincides with your all time closing high at twenty seven fifty. Uh, that's going to be my focus point uh, in early trading this morning. All right, we got about a minute left. In. Two more tickers. Let's go. Two more. Uh, Fifteen asking, seconds. Fifteen seconds. About the hot stock of the day, which is going to be Net Element at uh, NETE. The headline here is that looks like the company that that they're merging with uh, got a, a purchase order for fifteen hundred uh, electric vehicles, and. That. I know nothing about this comment. I can't even give commentary on that. Up forty percent. Yeah, I, I told you it's the high flyer of the day. Yeah, uh, so people again, and and four point three million. This is where people want to trade. They don't want to make twenty percent a year. They want to make twenty percent a day. So they jump into stuff. This stuff's hard to trade. So this is not my bread and butter. If you're looking up for the quick money, you're on the listening to the wrong show. I'm not trying to give you a, the gainer. That's you know, go listen to a small cap show or listen to something else. But I'm not trying to come in here and give you what's moving 20%, you know, how you can make a quick 20% on your money overnight. I'm trying to teach you guys how to trade for a living. I've done it for 21 years. It is, but the reason I have survived for 21 years is that I don't trade these stocks. I I don't know how many questions I get, but I would say eight out of 10 of the questions that come to me via, you know, different sources, Twitter, email, you know, chat. It's about high-flying movers. People, you know, are interested in these ones. They want to get rich fast. And I will tell you, you were going to hear the stories of, oh, this person made so much money trading this, this, this. But you won't hear any of the stories about the person who bought this stock back in July at $20 and watched it go to 6 bucks. You know, yes, it came back and, you know, can say all stocks come back, but they don't in some cases. So this is the type of stock that I do not trade. I believe the majority of traders who come in these stocks lose money so i am i'm not interested in even giving technical analysis on a stock like this all right well, let's that's ending on a positive note we'll do one <laughs> let's do one that you do trade or at least have traded adobe adobe great stock you know it's got relationships it's a cloud stock so i can look at other you know indicators you know and this is a stock that's sleepy and quiet and boring people mm. why do you want to trade adobe it moves around a dollar two a day you know because i don't lose 20 percent of my money it moves around it. more than a this, this has just been sitting here. It's got a nice cup and handle pattern going. Um, you can look, you know, it's had a pretty good year. Everything has had a pretty good year, but there's not people sitting on 100% gains on Adobe. So the January effect doesn't affect this one as much. Again, I'm not loading up on anything because I think we're going to show weakness January 2nd, January 3rd, January 4th. I'm predicting on this show right now that it's going to get sloppy in the first week of January. Maybe it's not January 2nd, but it might be January 3rd. There's going to be some profit taking that comes in in some of these names. Adobe is not going to be one of those. So it's one that I would look to buy into the January weakness if we get some. So I would put it on the radar. I don't want to buy anything right now, even though the chart looks pretty good. I don't want to buy stocks right now. I'm more inclined to sell stocks right now because I think weakness is coming in the first week of January. Uh, I think this one, I think someone's just working out of a large piece. I'm just going to call it the 505 area. Uh, just looking at the last one, two, three, four, five, six sessions. So someone's working out of a piece. And it kind of reminds me, not exactly, but this uh, trade desk chart. Um you know, so someone was wiggling out here at nine fifty five. You know, this you know high price stock like this, it takes you know if you got a big position, it takes a long time to wiggle out of it. So they mopped up the nine fifty guy or gal or combination. They took it to nine seventy, and they're oh that was a bad sale. Well, it ain't such a bad sale right now. So I, I would just keep an eye. I, my focus for Adobe five hundred five. See if you can clear that, but uh, clear resistance. You got one more, one more before the end? We can do one more too. Uh, Let's do Snowflake. (sighs) Go to a tough one. Weakness, you know, um, 
the, the one thing about this stock is there's not a lot of people sitting with a lot of gains. I mean, this came out IPO. It's basically at the IPO price. It's a lot of people sitting with some losses here last few days. So January effect doesn't affect this stock as much, believe it or not, because it's not your typical, you know, stock that everybody's up three, four hundred percent in. You know, most people are, are, you know, some people that are up in this, but not a lot. So it's this valuation. It's hard to wrap your head around something that trades 100 times sales. Great company. People say, oh, yeah, Warren Buffett's in. Yeah, but he got in, you know, before. Uh, before the IPO. Yeah, he got in, you know, way, you know, before the IPO. So obviously that was free money for him. Um, 302, it sits here. It's hanging out, mm. wants some direction. Again, I think overall weakness is coming to the market. Do you, do you have a trade if it gets back down to the 250 area? Probably bounces at the 250 area again. Uh, but I'm not coming in here saying this 300 holds because I'm nervous about the overall market right now. For the uh, first week. Yeah, I mean, to me, and right now with the downward momentum, it did have an okay day yesterday. But I think if you're trying to pick, stab it here, I think you're you're risking down to 290. There's not a lot on the daily charts be, uh, between yesterday's low and then a pair of lows at 288, 289. So I know, Dennis, you're looking at more of that 250 area. I see a pair of lows in the same area. It catches my attention. All right. Yeah, we're dropping here, Spencer. What, yeah, what, are. What, are you, what are you doing over there? I didn't do anything. I'm just sitting here. What did I do? What's I happening? don't know. We, something happened somewhere. Someone said something. But anyways, we just cut through mid-range on the session. Uh, Pre-market low. We'll keep an eye on that. 37.16.50. But that's it. So no more guests. And Spencer, tell them about tomorrow's show. Special show tomorrow. Uh, we, we will talk a little bit, you know, about what's moving and what what happened today. But tomorrow we're going to do a, a retrospective on the year. Uh, we went back and we tried to we listen to as many hours of our own content this year as possible, and found a few highlights. So nice. we're play some highlights from the year, and we'll do it in a way where where we'll play a clip. And then we can talk about it a little bit and see if we were right or if we were wrong. We got some Dennis rants. We got some great stuff from our guests. Uh, so that'll be tomorrow's show. Uh, we will cover if obviously if there's any news, we'll talk about it. But really, tomorrow will be more of a of a retrospective, more evergreening type of show. Uh, that being said, I want to remind everyone that all the information from our show is meant to be used as informational purposes, not for investing or trading advice. Thanks to our guest today, Gene Munster. Hit that like button in the chat. We're at just under 400. We can get to 400 easy. I know we can. Uh, there, oh, we actually went down when I said <laughs> we went down when I said that. <laughs> that was funny. Okay. Uh, thanks to all the likes, all the comments, all the super chats. As always, we appreciate all you listeners. Catch a replay of the show on YouTube or any major podcast platform. Remember, Spac's attack is on at 11. And Eastern Time, just go to Benzinga's YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Benzinga TV. That's where you'll be able to find that. Joel and I will be back at 3.40 p.m. Eastern Time. Until then, everyone have a good rest of your day and good luck in your trades. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.